0: this is new life christian fellowships weekly message podcast you can find us online at new and now this week's message well good morning everybody Man, I'm excited to take this journey together with you as we continue walking through our friending series. When you came in this morning, you should have gotten a program that looks just like this. And inside are a few tools to help you connect with us, help us connect with you, but most importantly, to help you connect with God, because that's what we're trying to do. We want to be a community of people who walks together on a journey and connects deeply with a God who loves us in a very real way. So inside your program, you have your card that says, start here. And this gives us ways to write down prayer requests, to to write down ways that God's been answering prayers, to respond to things that God's doing uh, through the service today, Uh, and then also we're looking for ways to better serve you as a church, and so we've been doing a survey for the last few weeks about community, and so we're going to have everybody mark that down so we can help serve you better and love you more as we continue this journey together. So go ahead and get that filled out, because as you know, as the service gets later, and I run out of time, I start to talk really, really fast like the Micro Machines guy, and you don't want to be left behind when I start talking fast. So fill that out now. It will only serve you. You won't, you won't be that guy at the end who's stuck filling out your card when the basket comes by. And then our teaching notes are here. They give you the Bible verses that we're using. They give you some fill in the blanks and some place to write down some of your thoughts. And we are in week three of a series that we're calling Friending. And we've been exploring the topic of friends and exploring the reality that the people that we choose to surround ourselves with probably have the greatest single impact in this world to shape the trajectory of our lives. That the people that we choose to associate with, to spend time with, to wrap ourselves around, those are the people that really shape the direction and the impact that our lives have in this world. And so we've been diving into friendships, uh, and my hope would be that coming soon, just like that video said, coming soon, maybe coming out of this series, you would be able to to identify and know the kinds of friends that would help move you in the direction that you would want to go, and the kind of friends that would really be life-giving to you, and that you would really be one friend away from changing your life. And the reason why we're spending so much time in this series is because we know that God deeply loves every single one of us, And because God loves us and God knows that friends are so important to us, God spends a lot of time in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If you take the whole Bible, he spends a lot of time talking about the types of friends that we choose. In fact, uh, he uh, he used a guy named Solomon, who was the, the wisest man who ever lived, to write down this phrase. And it's become the key verse for our entire series, talking about friendship. Solomon said this in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He said, if you walk with the wise, if you choose to surround yourself with wise people, with the right kind of friends, you will, by the very nature of those relationships, of rubbing shoulders with those people, you will become wise. But, he says, on the other side of the coin, a companion of fools suffers harm. And we all know that the best decisions we've ever made, we made either with or because of other people. And the same is true on the other side of that. Some of the worst decisions you ever made, the ones that you, you laid in bed at night and you thought, oh, I can't believe I did that. The, the ones that you look back and you just kind of cringe a little bit. Some of the, the worst decisions we ever made, family decisions, money decisions, parenting decisions, job decisions, they generally happen with or because of other people. And so we've said this, we've said that if you can show me your friends, I can show you your future. That's our key thought for this entire series. With startling accuracy, if you show me the people you surround yourselves with, I will be able to show you the direction that your life is going to take. Because Solomon was right, if we surround ourselves with with wise people, we'll become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And we talked about this, that in, in the first week, that social media has changed the way we define friendships, and I'm not against social media. I use Twitter. I use Facebook. I like social media. It keeps me connected to friends in Southern California, where my family is. It keeps me connected to friends in India and all over the world, but let's just be honest. It's redefined the way we view friendship. We have more more friends, more fans, more likes, more followers than ever before, and yet at the same time there's a gnawing feeling in many of us, and you've been coming up to me and talking to me over the last few weeks. A gnawing feeling that we are, we're missing something when it comes to actual, authentic, real friendships. That there, there's a deeper level that somehow has been lost to us. That we look around, even a room like this, and there are a ton of friendly people. A lot of hugs when we walk in the door. And yet, the deep friendships, the real friendships, the friendships that are life-changing seem to be Gone. So last week I said, before we talk about the kinds of friends we're looking for, let's talk about the kinds of friends we should be. And I said there are two things that we can all do to help us be better friends. The first one is show up. We need to be present, both physically present in relationships, but even more than that, we need to be emotionally present. We need to be engaged. We can't be sitting across from someone checking our email or checking text messages or or checking the score of the game at 10 o'clock or whatever it is. And and so my wife, Maria, went out to lunch with a friend last Sunday, and I thought it'd be really funny to say—I uh, sent her a text message, because this is the kind of guy I am, okay? I'm good in small doses, like for a half hour, but a lot of me is a lot of me. I sent her a text that said, just checking to make sure you're being emotionally present, ha, 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 because if she picked up her phone, she wouldn't be emotionally present. I thought that was hilarious. I laughed out loud. I LOL'd myself. It was so funny she didn't check it. She was being emotionally present, but she did pick it up later and she looked at it and she showed it to her friend who was also in church and they both got a good laugh. Why? Because that's hilarious. That's why. That was so funny. So we have to be present. We have to be physically present with people to have real relationships. We have to be emotionally present. And that, if we were just present, it would, it would change our marriage. It would change our parenting. It would change our friendships. If when we were at work, we were we were totally emotionally present at the job we were doing. It would change our vocation and our career. It would change everything if we were just present. And then the other thing I said was we need to be vulnerable. There's no way around it. Uh, We can have friendly relationships by saying how great everything is, but we have authentic relationships when we choose to be vulnerable. And it is risky. It is risky, but the payoff of it is huge. And like the video said, I thought that video was awesome, by the way. Like the video said, uh, when it comes to finding friends, we all have criteria. We all have uh, things we're looking for. We all have ideas about what the perfect friend would be. And I just thought that was so funny. What I want to do today is I want to talk about three criteria for picking the right kind of friends. The friends that will set us up to go in the right direction. The friends that if we walk with them, we will become wise. We will be successful in our lives. And the thought for today is simply this. You and I might be one friend away from changing the course of our destiny. We might be one critical friend away from changing the course of our destiny. For better or for worse, we might be one friend away, not just of changing the course of your destiny, but of your family's destiny. Of the story of the legacy that your family is writing, you might be one critical friend away from changing our community, because that friend inspires you to do something great, or one friend away from from honestly changing the world. And over and over again, we see in the Bible that that one friend sometimes makes all the difference in changing the destiny of a person's life. One of my favorite stories about that comes in the New Testament with a guy named Saul. And Saul later became known as Paul. Maybe you know him as the Apostle Paul. He wrote over half of the New Testament. But he started out as Saul. He started out as a, a thug. He started out as a terrorist. He went around to Christian groups, Christian small groups, Christian churches, and he started pulling people out, throwing pastors in prison, uh, murdering men, murdering women, taking parents away from their children. He was, he was a thug. And then He was walking on a road one day to go and and break up a church meeting. He met Jesus, and Jesus changed his life, and Jesus gave him a calling in his life to be a a pastor, to be a minister who would go and plant churches and who would share the good news of Jesus. But he had one problem, and that's where we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 9. It says this, When he went to Jerusalem, which was the center for this new movement of Christianity, Saul went to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. See, here's the problem for Saul. He's had this encounter with Jesus. God has, has gifted him uniquely to do something that would change not just his culture, but the trajectory of human history, and yet no one believes that he really is a follower of Jesus. It'd be like if if uh, a, a terrorist, like when Osama bin Laden was alive, if, if he walked into our church and said, I, God's called me. I just want to worship with you today. we we take a step back and say, I, I don't, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I can trust you. And Saul was a terrorist of his day, trying to destroy this little fragile community of Jesus followers, trying to eradicate them from the face of the earth. And he went to the, the stronghold of Christianity and said, I'm one of you. I want to be one of you. And no one believed him. And they pushed him out. And then verse 27 says this But Barnabas, one friend, Barnabas took him, and he brought him to the apostles, and he told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord, and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Verse 28, so Saul Saul stayed with them, and he moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was that one friendship that God used with Saul and Barnabas that opened the door for Saul to start doing what God had called him to do, to start preaching the good news of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. And he got to move around freely. Why? Because one friend, one friend made all the difference for him. And it didn't just affect him. It actually affected the face of human history. God used that one friendship. And we see it over and over again that God uses sometimes just one key friendship to change our destiny. So I want to ask you this morning, to open yourself up to this question, what if? What if you're one friend away? What if you're one friend away from changing your destiny? What if you're one, just that right friend away from changing the culture of your marriage, from helping turn that dream job into a real job? What if you're one friend away? And those types of friends come in all shapes and sizes, If you're like me, my tendency is to try to find friends who are like me. So if I'm looking for a a really good friend, I'm looking for, I know I can't say this now, but I'm looking for a plaid shirt, you know, a plaid shirted guy who's got jeans on and Converse All-Stars because that is, that's like me. By the way, I want to just make one quick comment here. I wore just a plain blue shirt last week, no plaid shirt and a vest today. Okay, i'm like branching out for you guys here and I just I just you don't need to write any like notes about how How great that is. I just want to know I want you to know That i'm giving you my best here because my wife picks out my clothes. So There you go But i'm looking for people like me, you know kind of hipsterish skinny jeans, whatever that's our our default is to find people Who are like us and yet sometimes god Has destiny shaping friends who are nothing like us And so I want to, first off, just break us out of the mold of thinking, well, if God's going to give me a close friend, they're going to look like me and think like me and act like me and be the same age as me and have the same age kids as I do, because it's not always true. I have a good friend named Pastor Ron Hunt, and if you don't know Pastor Ron Hunt, he is the founding pastor of our church. He and I have been friends since I was, I think, about 21 years old. Pastor Ron and I are nothing alike. He's a, a third-generation preacher from Iowa, uh, Midwestern, comes from a very conservative background. I'm a first-generation preacher from Southern California. We we couldn't be more different. Our personalities are different. Our styles are different. Everything about us is different. He is he's almost double my age. His kids are my age and older. We're nothing alike. And yet, God has used Ron in my life to change my destiny. I don't know if you know this or not, but it was it was Ron that God used. Ron called me into his office one day when I was not much more than about 24, 25 years old. And he said, Kevin, I think God could use you to be a lead pastor someday in a church, and maybe even in our church. It was Ron who planted that seed in me. It was Ron who God used to change the trajectory of my life. So it's not always people just like us. Sometimes it's people who couldn't be more different that God puts us in life with and it's that critical friendship and i think god has critical friendships for all of us that that shape the impact and the trajectory of our life so if we can't just look for people who have the same interests as us and who have the same temperaments as us who dress like us and think like us what are we looking for what are we looking for well i think there are at least 3 types of friends that we can look for in the bible In the Old Testament, there's a king named David. And in the life of David, we're going to do kind of a survey of his life this morning. In the life of David, we see him have three interactions with three very unique friends who all do something different in his life. They're different. They have different roles at different times in his life, but each of them shapes the man that he is and shapes the destiny that he'll form. So what I want to do is talk about him because he is probably the most famous king who has ever lived— Much of his life is recorded in the Bible, and when we pick up the story in David's life, he's not a king. In fact, he's a shepherd. He's the youngest of a large family. He's kind of a nobody. He lives in kind of a a nobody town. And when we pick up the story, he's not yet the king. There's a guy named Saul who's the king, but Saul has done some things to turn his back on God, and so God has taken his favor away from Saul. And God says to a prophet named Samuel, Samuel, I want you to go to Bethlehem, and I want you to find the next king in the house of a guy named Jesse. So Samuel goes to Bethlehem and he goes to Jesse. He says, Jesse, bring me all of your sons because the next king of our people is going to come from your family. And so Jesse lines up his sons from the youngest, from the oldest to the youngest. And he goes through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven sons. And every time the son's brought in front of Samuel, Samuel looks at him and he prays to God and says, God, is this the man that you want to anoint to be king? And every time God says, no, 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 no. No, no. And we're working down the line from the oldest and the strongest to the youngest. And he gets to what he thinks is the end of the line and he says, Jesse, aren't there any other kids? Because none of the men that you've brought before me is the man that God wants to have as king. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. In First Samuel chapter 16 verse 11, it says this. It says, Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's out tending the sheep. Don't... Don't worry about him. Samuel said, send for him. I will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he had him brought in. He was glowing with health and he was fine in appearance. He had handsome features. And the Lord said, rise up and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. He dumped this oil on him, which is Kind of gross, if we're totally honest. He dumped this oil all over his head and down his face. If you, I have face issues. That would just weird me out. He dumped the oil on his head. Sorry. That's my own commentary as I read the Bible. It would. Took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon David. And here's the thing we need to know about David. Nobody thought that David would amount to much not even his own dad. His own dad left him out in the fields taking care of the sheep and brought all the other brothers in thinking, well, it's got to be one of these guys because my youngest son, David, he, he's not the guy. He's not the guy. No one thought David would amount to much, but Samuel did. And we all need friends like Samuel in our lives. We all need friends who make us better. We all need friends who make us better. We need friends who can see the potential in us when no one else sees the potential in us when we don't even see the potential in us. We need friends who see us as we are and believe in what we could be. We need friends who make us better. That's what Pastor Ron has been in my life. He's a friend who saw what I was at 23, 24, 25, and believed in what I could be even when I didn't believe in what I could be. Most of our friendships, if we're totally honest, happen by convenience. My my oldest daughter, Maddie, is in first grade now, and I'm realizing that our friendship circles begin to form around the kids who are in Maddie's class or the kids we're playing sports with, and maybe it's our friends at work. Most of our friendships happen by convenience. But I want to ask you, do you have a friend who makes you better? Because sometimes it's not the convenient friends that are the right friends. Sometimes we have to be intentional about choosing the right kind of friends. Do you have a, a friend that when you're with them, it makes your marriage better? They see what your marriage is, but they believe in what your marriage could be, and they're pushing you towards what could be. Do you have a friend who makes you better, more healthy financially, who sees what your finances are and sees the, maybe the rut you're living in, but they believe that there's freedom for you, even if you feel like you're stuck in debt? Do you have friends who who see you as you are, but see what you could be when it comes to your health? Do you have friends Who tell you, hey, if you just changed your diet or your exercise just a just a little bit, you could add ten years to your life. Do you have friends who make you better? We all need friends like that. We all need friends who can call out in us what God is doing in our lives right now. And who see what could be in the future. If we fast forward in David's life just a little bit, he's still not king yet. But we get to the next group of friends at this point. David has he's gotten the call from God Saul is still the king Even though God is in the process of taking Saul out of power and putting David into power But David does what he should do. He goes into military service under Saul and he becomes a war hero He was such a hero that people started singing songs about him one day He was riding into a town. He was riding behind king Saul and they started singing this song Saul has killed his thousands and david has killed his tens of thousands The switch is beginning to happen where Saul's coming out of power and David is going into power. And Saul, instead of being humble about this transition, Saul gets angry and he gets jealous. So he decides to try to kill David. So David goes on the run. He takes 600 of his men with him, 600 fighting men, and they go and they hide up in the mountains. Now you got to remember, this is a guy that God said would be king. This is a guy who went into military service. This is a guy who loved the current king and served the current king and loved God and served God. And the king is so jealous that not only is David disgraced, but now David is running for his life. David at this point in his journey is having a really bad day. Have you ever had a really bad day? When when you're doing everything right, you're you're trying to make it right, you're trying to get it right, and everything seems to be falling in bad directions. David's having a bad day. Not only is he not king, but now he's an outcast from his country. He's been de-recognized in the king, and all of the king's army is trying to kill him. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in 1 Samuel. Now we're in chapter 23. It says, David was in Horash in the desert of Ziph, and he learned that Saul had come to take his life. Saul was trying to murder him. But Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh, and he helped him find strength in the Lord. And this is what Saul's son said to David. He said, don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father knows that this is true. Friends, it doesn't matter how far we are along on our Christian journey. It doesn't matter how closely we're connected to God. There are going to become times in life when we just feel down and out when it feels like the world is against us, when it feels like God is distant, when it feels like things are stacking up against us. It could be caused by tragedy in the family. It could be an unexpected death. It could be caused by the loss of a job. It could be discouragement at work or the death of a dream. If you're a student, it could be a difficult season in school that has you totally discouraged and feeling like giving up. If you're a parent of a small child, it could be a tough parenting stage that has you feeling like giving up. And in those moments when we get discouraged and we feel like giving up, we need friends like Jonathan in our lives. We all need friends who can come alongside us and give us spiritual strength when we feel like giving up. I was listening to a leadership podcast this last week, and it talked about a tribe in Africa called the Himna tribe. And in this tribe in Africa, when a woman's about to give birth to a child, all the other women in the village, they go out to a certain tree— and they, they basically write a song together for the child that's being born. It's the song that's unique to that child, that will be that child's song for the rest of their life. And they, they write this song together, the women in the tribe, and then they go and they sing this song over the baby while the baby's being born. And then over the course of that baby's life, at key stages of that child's life. They come together as a tribe and they sing this song over the baby. And when when the child has difficult times in life, in adolescence and in the early adult years, they come and they sing this song over the person. Because what they're doing in this tribe is they want to remind the child, this is where you came from. You're one of us. This is where you are today. But listen, this is where you're going. Don't lose hope. And so they come together and they sing this song that's unique to this child at every stage of this child's life. And in the same way, you and I need friends in our lives who when we get discouraged, when we feel like the world's out to get us, when we feel like God is distant, when we feel like giving up hope, we need friends in our life who can come around us, who have walked with us long enough and closely enough, who can say this, this is where you've come from. This is where you are this is where you're going. We need friends who can call out the truth, who can give us spiritual strength. I wonder, do you have friends like that? Do you have friends who wake up in the middle of the night and they're praying for you? Do you have friends who who call you up or come over to your house to encourage you? I really believe some of us are on the brink of giving up on a God-sized dream because we don't have a friend to encourage us in those discouraging moments. We all need friends like Jonathan who can give us spiritual strength in encouraging, in discouraging moments. It could be that you're on the brink of giving up on a a key friendship, a key relationship because you're discouraged. It could be that you're on the brink of giving up on your kids because you're discouraged. It could be that you're on the brink of giving up on God and of your faith because you're discouraged about what's going on right now. And if we don't have a friend who can give us spiritual strength in that moment, who can encourage us and pray for us and call out what God's doing in our lives, we'll miss out. We'll miss out on the life that God created for us. And I want to ask, do you have a friend like that in your life right now? Or two, or three, or four? They don't have to look like you, or dress like you, or, or talk like you, or have the same mannerisms, but they have to be a friend who gives us spiritual strength. And then the other question is this, are you a friend like that for someone else? Are you a friend like that for someone else? The third type of friend I want to talk about as we wrap up our time together comes a few more years later into the journey. At this point, David has become king, and David has had some really great successes in his life. His army's doing great. Uh, he's, He's increasing territory. He's increasing in wealth, but he gets himself in trouble. One day he's up, and He's on a roof and he's taken his eye off of God and what God wants to do. And he gazes down upon a woman named Bathsheba and she is she is bathing uh, in a tub on her roof. And Bathsheba is married, not just to anyone, but to one of David's closest friends. Remember those 600 men that, that fled with David into the wilderness? She's married to one of those guys who risked his life for his friend David. But David sees this woman and he wants this woman and he calls her into his castle, into his bedroom, and he sleeps with her. He commits adultery with her, gets her pregnant, and it gets worse. And then he has one of his best friends murdered to cover up the infidelity. Murder, adultery, cover up. And at this point, David is more vulnerable in his life than he's ever been. But not only is David vulnerable, his entire kingdom is vulnerable. Because Just like God's favor had left Saul, and when God's favor left Saul, it left the people. If God's favor left David, it would leave the nation. So David's opened himself up, and he's opened the kingdom up. And that's when he gets some wise counsel from a friend named Nathan. And Nathan gets David back on track. And Nathan tells David this story. He's committed adultery. He's murdered one of his best friends. He doesn't think anybody knows about it, but God told Nathan what had happened. So Nathan goes to David, and he says this says the Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain country. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except a little ewe lamb that he had bought. And he he raised it. It grew up with him and with his children. It shared his food. It drank from his cup. It even slept in his arms. You can picture this little tiny barnyard animal in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. And while that's weird, it's a very intimate picture. It's like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man, and he slaughtered it and prepared it for the one who came. It says that David, in verse 5, David burned with anger against this man, and he said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a horrible thing with no pity. And Nathan looked at David in the eye, and he said to him, you, you are the man. Can you imagine that moment? The most powerful man in the nation, who's done something horribly wrong, who's got himself sideways, who's gotten in trouble with God, who's, who's, who's committed murder, who's committed adultery. And he has a friend who's brave enough to come to him and tell him the truth. See, none of us is immune to making destructive choices in our lives. The Bible talks about the reality of sin. And even those of us who are followers of Jesus, sometimes we have the tendency to give in to sin. And if you're new to church, sin is simply this. It's the destructive uh, thoughts and words and actions that we do that are hurting us, that are hurting other people, that are separating us from God. And none of us is immune to sin. And because none of us is immune to sin, we all need friends who care about us enough to tell us the truth. We all need friends who care about us enough to tell us the truth. Imagine what could happen if we don't have a friend who cares about us enough to tell us the truth when we're getting sideways in our life. Imagine. Imagine the incredible loss. We could lose our family. We could could lose our work if we get sideways with God, if we get sideways in life. We could ruin the story that God's trying to write in us and through us. And we all have the propensity to get sideways sometimes in life. But But can you imagine having a friend who knows you well enough, who loves you enough to come to you when you're about to get sideways and has the courage to say to you, you know what, you're going down a path that's going to hurt you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Imagine the heartache that that type of friend would save you. A friend who loved you enough and knew you well enough to tell you the truth. This type of friend is invaluable to us. And I really believe, I really believe, some of us in this room today are one friend away. From changing our destiny. We're one friend away from changing the course of our life. You're one friend away from changing your marriage because you have someone who encourages you to press in and and make the right choice and to follow what God has for you in your relationship. You're one friend away from someone who loves you enough to stand in front of you and say, hey, you're unhealthy physically. You're eating patterns, your exercise patterns, and it's killing you. You're one friend away. And imagine what would happen if you listened to that friend, and you changed your patterns, and you added 10 years to your life, and now you got to see your grandkids grow up because of one friend. We're one friend away. So the question we should be asking ourselves is, well, how do I find these types of friends? Where are they? I would say there are two steps. One, we need to begin becoming these types of friends for other people. The more that we love other people and give ourselves for other people and become good friends to other people, the more those friends will simply come into our presence. And the second thing is this. We need to start looking in the right spots. And if you want to know what the right spots are, you have to come back next week. Because <laughs> I'm talking about it next week. But listen, if you want to find a drinking buddy, go to the bar. If you want to find a date, go to Harmony. If you want to find a friend that could shape your destiny, there's places to go, people to look for. You got to come back next week if you want to know more about it. Like I said just a few minutes ago, none of us, none of us is immune to making destructive choices in our lives. None of us is because of sin. But here's the great news, and we celebrated this when we took communion. The great news is this, that God saw that we had, we had hurt ourselves, and we were hurting those we love, and we were separated from him because of our sin, And there was no way we could make our way back to God. So God looked down from heaven, and he made the ultimate sacrifice. God left heaven and came to earth. in Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, he lived a perfect life to show us what it looked like to have a perfect life in relationship to God. And then he gave his life freely on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that our sin would be transferred from us onto God himself. He paid that penalty so that we could be forgiven by God and so that we could be healed by God and so that we could have restored relationship with God. We could have a friendship with God. Because on our own, we're separate from him. But but because of his grace and love, we've been restored to him. And every single one of us who calls on the name of God can have a relationship with him and can be restored and can be forgiven and can start this journey of healing with him and can take the life with God that he's called us to. And the life he's called us to is a great life. So I want to give us some time right now as we wrap up our message to do some business with God, to spend some time sitting in God's presence in prayer and just asking God to guide our journey, to lead our lives. And for some of us here today, maybe maybe you went to church a couple times growing up, but you're pretty much new to this whole Christianity thing. Maybe for you, today is the day that you would say, you know what? I'm transferring my trust from myself over to a God who loves me, who gave his life to pay the penalty for my sin. And today's the day that you would stop trying to live life alone and start living life with a heavenly father who loves you. If that's you, as we pray this morning, I'm going to give you a chance to, to say yes to Jesus and to pray a prayer where you would commit your life to him and start this journey with him. It's not a magic hocus-pocus saying. It's simply a prayer of commitment where you would say, God, I'm done living on my own. I'm ready to live with you and live for you because I believe the life that you have called me to is the greatest life I could ever live and I don't want to do it apart from you anymore. And if you're ready to make that decision and we pray, I'll give you a chance to, to pray and repeat that prayer after me to start this journey with God. So would you join me? Let's join together in prayer. Lord, as we continue to dive into this Friending series. And as we look at the types of friends that you might have for us, the types of friends who would shape uh, and form the the direction and the trajectory of our lives, I ask that you would give us wisdom and insight to know how to be these types of friends for other people, but then you would give us clarity to know the types of friends that you would want us to share life with. Would you give us wisdom and understanding to know how to start those relationships off? And Lord, would you bring us back? so we can hear more next week about the places and the communities that you would have for us to experience those friendships. And even more than that, Lord, I've been praying this week and and I'm asking you now, would you continue to, for each of my friends in this room, to wrap around us a few close friends, three, four, five, six, ten, close friends to share life with because we believe that life is better when we're walking it out with friends who we're truly authentic with. So Lord, would you be doing that miracle in our lives as we continue through this series and then beyond? As we continue to pray, if you're here this morning and you've never entered into that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I want to give you a chance to do that. But before you do, I need you to know one very important thing. God could not love you more than he does right now. God knows everything you've ever done. He knows everything you will do. He knows what you're thinking even in this moment. And God loves you with such a deep, uh, surpassing, amazing love. That God left heaven and came to earth, that he gave everything for you. That's how much he loves you. And he's inviting you. He's inviting you to walk in relationship with him. And if you're ready to do that, you can repeat these simple words and you can commit your life to Jesus. You can repeat after me and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you love me and that you love me so much that you left heaven and came to earth and gave your life on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin And today I say, yes, Lord. Yes, I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward through my entire life and into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message.